That's right, that's right. It is episode number four of the Seeing Red podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am back with the fourth edition of Seeing Red. To be honest, that's three more episodes than I thought we would get to. So if you're back for episode number four, or if you're a new listener checking out for the first time, thank you. Give yourself a pat on the back for me, a round of applause. But please, if you're driving, save that for later. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, as I said, I am Troy Moriello. I started this podcast a few weeks ago. I'm trying to cover all things St. John's basketball, and for once, we have some real games to talk about. Now, if you're interested in hearing episode number one, two, or three, which was our preview episode with Zach Braziller of the New York Post last week, you can do that. Head on over to my Twitter account. I am at Troy Moriello. That's T-R-O-Y-M-A-U. R-I-E-L-L-O. You can follow me if you'd like, but more importantly there, you can find a link to my SoundCloud and our Apple Podcast link, which will have all of our past episodes for the time being. As I said, we're on Apple Podcast now. You can go into the Apple Podcast app, search the Seeing Red Podcast. It should pop up there. Also, on Twitter, you can leave some feedback for me on how you think the show can improve. And if you'd like to join me for an episode, we have someone... Brendan Myers, who reached out. Uh, He wanted to join the podcast, and he will be. Uh, So later on in this episode, you will hear some reaction from Brendan Myers, who is there covering the game. So if you'd like to join, uh, we can definitely make that happen. As I said, for the last couple of weeks now, I don't want this to just be me, and we are getting others involved, which is nice. Now, that the housekeeping is out of the way, it is a winning Wednesday at St. John's. Red Storm open up the season with a 76-55 win over Loyola, Maryland. Let's play the reggae horns for a winning Wednesday. Now, I will have a winning recap, a full winning recap coming in just a bit with Brendan Myers. But first, uh, we're going to debut our first ever segment. For now, I'm going to call it the four-point play. Uh, You know, four-point play in basketball, kind of playing on words there. It's going to be four points. Um... Just kind of my rapid thoughts of, of uh, what went down in this game, what impacted this game, what I liked, what I didn't like in this game. There's a lot of like and not a lot of dislike, which is good. Um, so getting into it now, point number one, if possible, this uh, 76 to 55 win over Loyola, Maryland was a get right game for St. John's, actually. You know, um, I guess there had been some concerns not really, but but some with how they had played uh, in the scrimmage against URI and then especially how they looked in that exhibition last week against Maryville. Um, but coming out and really just hitting the gas right away, getting out to a lead early, never really looking back. The game was never really in doubt, which is good because we have seen St. John struggle with some of these minor mid-major opponents in the past. This isn't a very good opponent, but you know it's good to just be in control the entire way, control the game from the start. Uh, second half, come out strong, and everyone's clicking, playing good defense, forcing turnovers, getting out in transition, getting points in the paint, hitting shots. Um, it, it was just about as good as an opener as an opener as you could ask for for St. John's and 
it kind of quells some. You know, I'm, I'm not going to overreact at all to uh, this game because I didn't overreact to the scrimmage or the exhibition game because it's just exhibition. It's early in the season, and this in the same light is against an opponent that's not very good. So you really can't judge the team on this. They're not as bad, I guess you would say, as they looked in the uh, exhibition game, and they're not going to be as good probably as they looked tonight. But doesn't mean we can't get excited. Awesome game for St. John's and a get-right game for St. John's. And that leads me to point number two, and that was really the main uh, culprits, I guess, of this of this get-right game. It was Shimori Pons and Mustafa Heron combined for 35 points. Pons had 20. Heron had 15 in his debut. You know, Shimori, we know, as we said, we know what we're going to get out of him. Um, nothing really. I'm pulling up the stats right now for Shimori here. 9 of 15 field goals is outstanding. Uh, 2 of 7 from 3-point range. Could be a little bit better. He had 4 assists and 3 steals um, and only 2 turnovers as well. So the 9 of 15 really stands out. But as I said, you kind of know what you're going to get from Pons. You're going to get at least 20 a night, almost all nights from him. Uh, But Heron was really, really the uh, big thing that I wanted to see. And I was a little bit worried about him just kind of assimilating. You know, Zach Brazillo said it's not it's going to take some time for this team to gel. Well, they look like they gelled tonight. Heron shot 5 of 10. He hit both of his three-point attempts, and he hit three of four field goals. Had the five turnovers, but had seven rebounds and three assists as well, 15 points total. Uh, Mustafa Heron looked like he fit into this offense well right away. Uh, no rust from, from not playing with his team or, you know, as I said, no difficulty assimilating to this lineup, which is kind of another point. I'm not, this isn't going to be my, my third point, um, but they did have a couple different lineups, which I liked as well. As I said, they're a deep team. We, we've talked about this before. They're a deep team. They can go with a variety of different lineups. And um, you kind of saw that tonight. And moving on to point number three, Justin Simon, LJ Figueroa, two great games from them. Simon, 4 of 9 from the field. Uh, only 10 points, but 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals. Uh, he was kind of all over the place, as he usually is. Figueroa, kind of the same way. Didn't have the great scoring game that we saw from him in the scrimmage and in the exhibition, but 9 points, 8 rebounds, 3 three assists, and 2 steals. So, two really, really good games from those two guys who are starters for this team. They're not going to be asked to score 20 points a night like you're going to kind of expect from Pons and Heron, but anywhere in that 10 to, you know, 15 point range for both of them. And they both got 10 and nine tonight. You know, that's, that's really what you're asking for them. You're asking for them to get a lot of rebounds, to make something happen on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. And they did a really good job uh, of that tonight, both Justin Simon and LJ Figueroa. And then uh, my final point is actually kind of a a bit of of, um, off the beaten path here, because I don't know if anyone's really going to talk about this, but it's just something that I noticed that felt, I don't know, kind of weird, because it doesn't usually happen with St. John's. They had the big lead at halftime, what was it, 48-23, I believe, yeah, 48-23, come out in the second half, and those first five minutes... A 10-2 run, I believe it was 6-0 or 8-0 maybe to start the half. 10-2 completely shut the door at that point because at that point it was um, 58-25. You know, we've seen in the past now, and they weren't going to lose this game at that point. You knew that. But we've seen in the past, uh, especially against mid-major opponents early in the season, we've seen this team kind of take a big lead, you know, a 15 to 20 point lead, and then the their opponent kind of starts chipping away in the second half. That didn't happen here. Uh, Loyola, they shut the door on them right away. 
really just extended that lead from you know 25 to whatever it was 33 or something at that point the game was over at that point it was over either way but it, it was clearly not going to be you know any sort of a in any sort of question at that point i like to see that and that's that's you know one of those little underrated marks of a team that's in in change and you know zach braziller told you last week i'm sure that you've seen everywhere now the expectations for this team they're through the roof well tonight they look like not only a tournament team they look like a top 25 team and i understand the opponent was certainly not the teams that they're going to face in the Big East or, you know, the teams that hopefully they'll face in the NCAA tournament or on the road to the NCAA tournament. But, hey, they looked very, very good in this win tonight. A 76-55 to win over Loyola, Maryland. Now, that's my uh, four points. That's the four biggest things that I thought. We're going to throw it to Brendan Myers. He was there. He was covering the game. He was broadcasting the game, I believe. We're going to talk with him about the win, so hope you enjoy that. I'll come back on the other end to kind of close out the show after the 76-55 to win. Here's Brendan. All right, we're now joined by Brendan Myers. He is admittedly not a big titles guy, but he is the sports editor at The Torch and the sports director at WSJU. He was broadcasting the game. He was there tonight. Uh, you got a little bit of a tough act to follow with uh, Zach Braziller last week, but on the bright side, Brendan, you are our first Torch guest, the first of many, so you have that honor. And uh, hopefully this is the first of a long relationship between this podcast and The Torch. Sounds good. Looking <laughs> forward to it. Okay, so you were there tonight covering the game, uh, broadcasting the game for WSJU, and your thoughts on the 76-55 to 55 win. Well, it sounds silly to say, especially when St. John's was winning by as many as 33 points at parts of the game, mm-hmm. but as many positives as there were, and there were definitely positives, I don't want to get that wrong, mm-hmm. but there were also some negatives. The team got into immense foul trouble in the first half, and even in the second half, they totaled 26 personal fouls on the night. CDK to fouled out with about 10 minutes left. It's just it's those kinds of things because St. John's finally has the depth that they need mm-hmm. to make a run. But if they're going to be fouling and getting in foul trouble, that depth is negated, and it's just something to keep an eye on. It's not a, it's not worrisome, but down on the block, the a lot of defense with the hands, and that's what they were getting called for. Mm-hmm. Again, whether you think those soft reach and fouls should be called fouls or not, it's the rules and the ref. They were forcing the refs to make those calls. Mm-hmm. I actually, I wanted to get to Kata for a second. Um, he did foul out. That the last foul was terrible that they called on him, but um, Correct. yeah, but he did foul out. Was he kind of? It seemed like he was kind of pressing a little bit. What he only played what ten minutes, I think, because he was in the foul trouble. Um, did it seem like he was kind of pressing you at all, especially on defense? I wouldn't say pressing. I just think he, I think after Tariq Owens transferred to Texas Tech, I think he was kind of looked at the guy as you need to set the defensive tone. And I think that's what he was trying to do tonight in blocking the shots and being the enforcer down low. One thing I like from him is that Loyola really tried to attack him in the post and go at him and have guys back down on him. But Zikata really stood his ground and looked like a very firm, strong post defender. Mm-hmm. Now, Shimori and Mustafa combined for the 35, but most of them were really in the first half. Uh, they really took control. Uh, how did they look to you? Did you? Were you impressed by them? Well, Shimori, you knew what you were going to get with. Mm-hmm. Because 
you knew what you were going to get with him because you've watched him play for the past two years. Mustafa, a little bit new. I wasn't as familiar with him coming from the SEC. I knew how good he was, but I hadn't really watched him in a full game. I'd only seen highlights. Mm-hmm. So Mustafa impressed me. He was Him and LJ Figueroa were probably the two most impressive players on the floor for me tonight. They connected on that uh, off-the-backboard alley-oop, which mm-hmm. got Karnasek Arena going crazy. But Mustafa looked really good. He always the main thing that impressed me about Mustafa Heron is how in control of himself he looked. Mm-hmm. He never seemed to get antsy, and he was always playing efficiently. He shot fifty percent from the field. He was two for two from behind the arc. He seemed to have an immense understanding for the game and was always in control of himself. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me because I, I, I too, I hadn't really watched. Uh, Heron played too in depth like you said I knew of him him and Figueroa are just so athletic Figueroa is a crazy athlete the way that he he can jump and he can what he was doing on the floor is incredible oh yeah it's funny because we actually uh, are releasing our preseason basketball magazine courtside tomorrow mm-hmm. oh, I'll shamelessly plug that right now <laughs> but one of my stories for the magazine was interviewing LJ Figueroa and one of my main takeaways from the interview with him is that he's an extremely quiet and soft-spoken guy. Mm-hmm. And then once you put him in between the lines, he is the exact opposite. He was jumping and skying through the air to try and block shots. He was coming in for putback dunks. He actually had a putback dunk that was called back mm-hmm. because of offensive interference. He is electric to watch. Mm-hmm. I-, I noticed that too in the uh, in the uh, exhibition. It seemed like everyone was kind of going through the motions, and Figueroa was, was just going hard. You could tell like he he has that motor, and it's it's on when he's on the court. It's, he does not have turn it off ever well yeah he's another guy that has a lot to prove he committed to new mexico state but then left due to coaching circumstances and then went to to junior college so he's another guy who's trying to prove himself on the division one level and you could tell that every time that he steps foot on the floor he's trying to prove that he belongs at this level and he certainly does mm-hmm. I want to get your take on this. This is something that I took as a positive. You mentioned the foul trouble. Cato uh, was kind of the main culprit of that with the five fouls, fouling out, getting in foul trouble early. One thing that I liked, though, was that they were fouling and they were in foul trouble, but because of the depth that they have, it never really seemed like it was like, oh, we don't have a replacement now for Cato on the floor. Other guys stepped up. I mean, it's against Loyola, obviously. It's not a great opponent. But they didn't look lost when, like, one of their big pieces was in foul trouble. No, and especially because you have a guy like Josh Roberts, who's a 6'9 freshman and has a lot of potential, if you listen to the way the coaching staff talks about him. And he barely even played. That just goes to show how, you know, they they don't panic. And I think that's a big difference between this year's team and last year's team is that lack of panic and lack of worrying. Mm -hmm. What about the... uh the three-point shooting tonight. They they shot uh, six of thirteen in the first half. Shamori only two of seven, but but Shamori even nine of fifteen. He had the twenty points, but it, for Shamori it was almost uh, the way that I looked at it as uh, kind of a different game for him because he had the twenty points, but nine of fifteen field goals, which is is really what impressed me. And I believe in the first half. Um, he shot even better. I'm, I'm clicking on it now. He had 7 of 11 in the first half. That's kind of like not customary for him to, to shoot that well, that, that high right. percentage. So one of the things I noticed from this year, and again, like you mentioned before, it's only Loyola. You can't read too much one way or exactly. the other. Exactly. But they didn't shoot great from behind the arc, only 31%. But 
it was the types of threes that they were taking, and that's the reason why I'm not worried. Last year, it, they were resulting in jacking up threes with three or four seconds left in the shot clock because there was no motion on offense. Mm-hmm. This year and, and tonight, and again, Loyola, so can't read too much into it, but the threes they were missing were open looks. They were results of good ball movement, and that's why I think, yeah, they struggled a little bit tonight, but there's reason to believe that as they get into their groove and as their rhythm hits as the season goes along, that that three-point number will improve because they're getting open looks and they're finally sharing the ball. It's not so much Shamori dribbling around and pulling up for three with three or four seconds left on the shot clock after a stagnant offensive possession. Mm-hmm. I, I did notice, and I was just so happy because we didn't... I mean, again, I feel like we have to preface everything with it was Loyola. They're probably going right. to finish last in the, in the Patriot League or whatever, but... Um, it felt so nice to not see that many possessions where it was just like ISO one on one, try to make a move, try to beat your guy and get into the to the basket. You know, there was so much ball movement, which I, I really liked. Yeah, they were looking to break the Greyhounds down in different ways. So Justin Simon posting up on the block a lot when he was in the game. So Mustafa doing the same thing, and you saw Shamori. Shamori picked up a few points, picking up offensive rebounds down below. We've seen how good of a rebounder he is. But more on the defensive end in his first two years, but tonight he was all over the offensive glass, and it really, it really just shows that the effort on this team is is where it needs to be. We'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> outscored. They were outscored by four in the second half, but I, I noted in my open the one thing that that I really really liked about this game was those first five minutes of the second half. And I said the game was over at that point. They went into halftime up 25. But we've seen in the past with them, they haven't really been able to, to really blow a game open, you know, and take that 30-point lead or that, you know, massive lead where the game is over. The first five minutes of the second half, I think they went on like an 8-0 scoring run to open the half. I think 10-2 I, I saw. That's something that we don't see. And I said that's kind of the mark of a, of a team that's going to be contending for a tournament berth. Right, and I think that comes down to the experience they have. Exactly. Because you have Pond, Simon, Clark, and Mustafa Heron all with big game experience, and now they know how to take control of a game. Yeah, and, and just, I, I mean, you know, again, Loyola. They, they look <laughs> like... enough. Yeah, they... They look like a top twenty-five team. I mean, it's so nice because we've been we've been you know basically saying this could be a top twenty-five team, this could be a tournament team, this could be a top half of the Big East team since like May when Heron committed. So it's so nice to see finally, like it's on the court now. Everyone's on the court because Heron's playing too, and it just looks so good. And you know to win by twenty-one, obviously it's against Loyola, but they look like a top twenty-five team tonight. They look like a team that is going to at least contend for a tournament berth, in, in my opinion. Right, but now the key is keeping it up, because if you remember last year, especially in that Nebraska game when they played him at Karnasaka last yes. year, St. John's looked unbeatable. Mm-hmm. They ran a good Nebraska team off of the court. Yes. With all the alley-oops, Bashir Med catching Justin Simon off the backboard, things were going so good in, in mm-hmm. the non-conference last season, mm-hmm. and then everything just came tumbling down. So it's about... It's about when St. John's gets punched in the face, right? Mm -hmm. When a team is able to counter their athleticism with skill or coaching. How is St. John's going to respond to that? That's the key. Because we know the non-conference schedule is a bit soft. There's Mm -hmm. no 
There's no denying that. Mm -hmm. And they're probably not going to get punched in the face all that much, to use the boxing reference. Mm -hmm. But when they start to get into Big East play and teams are able to counter their athleticism, how are they going to respond to that? That's the key, and that's where the top 25 and the tournament berth are going to be earned is when there's some adversity that St. John's has to face. Yeah, I was going to say, we probably won't see any of that until B. We we won't know what this team really is until Big East play because I don't think that they're going to be underdogs in any of these games that they play in the, in the non-conference like the, these teams I mean on the road at Rutgers uh, next Friday is a tough game but I still think that they should win that game Rutgers is going to be at the bottom of the Big Ten this year it's same thing with Georgia Tech and Cal they're going to be at the bottom of their respective conferences I don't think that there's one game that they should lose in the non-conference I'm sure that they they will lose a game in the non-conference before Duke obviously but like I don't see one one game that we should go into and say, okay, if they lose this, I'll be all right with that, you know? Right. It's gonna right in the non conference schedule, St. John's the biggest opponent is their own heads. <laughs> That's if true. they go into games and and they say, Oh, we're gonna run over this team or you know, we we can kinda coast a little bit, we're much better mm-hmm. than them. That's when they're gonna start to struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be because of the opponent's skill set. It's because St. John's if they start taking opponents lightly, that's when they're going to struggle in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly where we'll learn if anything has really changed with this team and this program under Chris Mullen, if that doesn't happen in the non-conference. Right. One more question. How is the? I was watching on my phone in the first half because I had class. How was the crowd tonight? Because it, it, it seemed like it was a little bit um, empty for the start. Was the crowd good, though? So... The student sections were filled in pretty nicely, mm-hmm. and they were they were loud the whole game. Mm-hmm. Up towards the upper section of Carnesec Arena, definitely empty seats, but it'd be a stretch to say that the game was uh, lightly attended. There were definitely enough people there, enough people moving, and the arena was definitely loud. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not a packed house by any stretch, not close to a sellout or perfect attendance. I, I don't get... Why do they, they start these games at 6.30? Is, is it, I'm guessing it's TV, right, that they start these games so early? I'm sure. I'm sure it has to do with the six thirty and eight thirty, nine o'clock start time, so the TV companies can get the back-to-back games. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it doesn't help us with uh, fans trying to get there, and <laughs> fans like myself who uh, don't go to college anymore, you know, trying to get to the games. <laughs> but That's um, right. one more thing I want to add. Oh God! Is that I saw on Twitter a video of Marvin Clark putting up shots after just beating Loyola by over twenty points, and that to me is a very strong sign in the positive direction because that's the leader of the team because yes Shamor Pond is probably the most talented but to me Justin Simon and Marvin by the way they act are the leaders of the team Mm -hmm. and when you have your leader going out after a 21 point win and taking extra jump shots that sends a positive message that's what leading by example is and that's why you kind of got to think things are heading in the right direction mm-hmm. when you were just talking about the culture of Chris Mullen's program. Exactly. That's definitely a good sign. That That's something that I don't think we would have seen a couple of years ago, for sure. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. All right, man. I'll let you get back to the uh, to the paper. I'm sure you got a big night ahead of you with the oh, yeah. uh, with uh, courtside coming out tomorrow. That's all. That's probably done. Um, yeah, everyone. If you're on campus, or if you're if you're not on campus, check out courtside. Uh, I worked on it a couple of years ago. That was probably uh, the most fun that I've had. And when my time at the torch, I'm sure that you can say the same. It's stressful, but it's fun. It's it's something that I, I don't think I'd ever want to do again. But it was fun in the moment, right? <laughs> I can echo that sentiment for sure. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Thank you. Uh, good luck along the way. As I said, I, I hope that this can be a uh, the start of a long relationship between this podcast and the torch and all you guys. All right. Thanks again, Troy. Hope to be back on soon. All right, dude. Have a good one. You too. All right, bye.
All right, we are back. And to close things out, I just want to send a, a big time shout out to Brendan there for helping out coming on the podcast tonight. Uh, they've got a little bit of a busy night there to say to uh, put it lightly at the torch. Uh, they have a production night with an issue coming out tomorrow. They just finished up work on their courtside issue, which, as I said just moments ago, uh, it, it, they really put a lot of work into that. I know firsthand the amount of work that goes into that, and it shows because it's a fantastic preview of the season. Uh, they said it's coming out tomorrow. So if you're in the area near St. John's, pick up a hard copy. It's really well designed. If you, I, I believe it's online as well if you're not in the area, but I'm going to try my best to get my hands on a hard copy. And yeah, hopefully Brendan is the first of many uh, Torch members and Torch alumni that want to come on there. Being a Torch alumni myself, I've kind of got the in and the market cornered on, on a Torch uh, analysis uh, from them. So hopefully Brendan's the first of many, but he did a great job tonight. And uh, thank, thank you big time to Brendan. Some, some housekeeping going forward. Um, we're going to have a podcast next week. I'm going to try to preview the... Uh, Rutgers game because I am going to release it on Wednesday again uh, I actually have to work Friday night I'll be able to watch the full game but I'll be working so I won't be able to put out any sort of an instant reaction podcast So, and I don't think it makes much sense to uh, recap the game from Friday on uh, Wednesday we'll, we'll hit on it a bit but not a, not a ton um, so we're going to try to preview that Rutgers game I will be 95% I will be in attendance at that Rutgers game so uh, if you want to see me, come give me a shout. Uh, hit me up there. I'll be in the. I'll be the guy in the red St. John's hat. If that narrows it down for you, um, but seriously, if you'd like to meet up at that game, I will definitely be there, and uh, maybe we can get some sweet content out of that as well. But um, that just about does it here for episode four. Another episode in the books. Season win number one for St. John's. To quote John Rothstein, what do they need? About 23 more to make the tournament, I think he said. Um, So one down, hopefully 20 plus more to go. Uh, 1-0 St. John's with the 76-55 win over Loyola. That wraps it up. Everyone have a good week. We'll want to know for at least the next couple of days, so we'll all be happy with that. And I will talk to you guys next week. Everyone have a good one. I'm back.